You are listening to the Business Society Podcast, formerly known as Think Like a CFO. The Business Society is a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners, where we talk all about what it means to be an entrepreneur and manage the money in your business and personal life. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA with over 20 years of experience working with entrepreneurs just like you. And I am here to share my knowledge and love of all things business. Check out my blog at thebusinesssociety.co and make sure you check out my articles at forbes.com. Jen Proctor is a new mom, a 35-year-old Emmy Award-winning producer, CEO and founder of Cultivated Entertainment, a one-of-a-kind full-service talent Jen is a behind-the-scenes creative powerhouse hired by big brands and companies to secure the right talent for any event or project as a talent booker or talent producer. Jen launched her career at the prestigious talent agencies ICM and CAA, where she learned the ins and outs of negotiating from both sides, client and talent. Launched in 2017 under Jen's oversight, over the last year, Cultivated Entertainment executed over 50 projects. Jen and her small team of 12 employees talent produced the 2020 72nd Emmy Awards, the first major awards ceremonies to have a virtual format, launched a daily talk show during the pandemic, which was the Drew Barrymore show, worked with the Obamas on the Dear Class of 2020, which has over 100 million combined views on YouTube, collaborated with YouTube on their Black History Month special, Black Renaissance, and so many other projects. Please welcome Jen to the show. Hey, Jen, welcome to the show. I am so happy to welcome you here today. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Well, I am super excited to hear all your stories because I've done a little research and you are quite the entrepreneur. And I know you've got some amazing stories to share with the listeners today. But before we get started, could you maybe explain to the listeners what your business is all about? Yep. So my business is really a niche that I kind of carve for myself. That's a culmination of my experience in the entertainment industry. So the way that I often describe the business is like a wheel. And at the center of that wheel is talent. So a lot of the times that's celebrity, but it can be athletes, authors, experts, you know, you name it, whatever constitutes talent. And then all the spokes on the wheel are different services that we provide. So we don't actually represent talent or a service provider. So we're kind of the middle guy between the talent and whatever the entity is. So that could be a talk show. It could be, you know, a brand for some kind of commercial campaign. It could be, I don't know, you name it, a podcast, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's been really fun because now more than ever, celebrities and, and talent is so much more tangible. And so everything, wh- whatever brand you are, whatever product you are, whatever show you are, some talent is at the center of it in a way that it really never has been before. So it's been really fun as a business owner to get creative and to remain relevant and to utilize the skills that I have from my past experience and to kind of change and and carve a new path in some of these untapped arenas. So, okay, just so I'm clear, you're the middle person between the talent and the end product? Yes. Okay, so what type of 
job, just to get some clarity on it, what kind of job would you provide? Like what kind of service? Yeah, it depends on the client. But typically, you know, and I'm doing air quotes if you can't see this, but it's some type of transaction, right? So the celebrity is getting something out of it. Let's just use celebrity for, you know, to have layman's terms. But if you're Joe Schmo celebrity and you have a movie coming out, you're going to appear on a show because you need to promote that movie, right? And the show, what they're getting out of it is they're going to get high ratings because they have Joe Schmo. So I'm the person that makes that transaction happen. Okay, the show needs guests. This guest needs an appearance. How do these mesh together, right? So you don't always see the same type of guests on daytime shows versus late night shows. So that's one example of it. Another example could be a company like Google or you name it, Nike. They come and they have, they're launching a new product, right? And they want to have some celebrity faces to be the face of that product. So they come to me and say, we've got a new sneaker or we have this new rollout of this new app that we're doing. And I work with them to understand what type of talent do they want to have sort of be the face of this. And I help them understand who they should have. I help them understand how much they should pay for that person and and what they should expect from that person and vice versa, right? I, you know, I have the conversations with the talent or their reps about what this deal should be and here's what they're offering. And and then I do the negotiation and then kind of at the end connect both happy parties. Okay. And the negotiation, that's definitely what piques my ears because that is definitely a topic that we have not tackled yet on the podcast. And it is such a big part of business. So what types of negotiate? I mean, I I understand clearly what a negotiation is, because, you know, both parties want to have the best scenario for each of them to come to fruition. But what types of negotiation problems do you typically see? And not necessarily in your industry, but just in general, because I mean, negotiations can go from anything from entrepreneurism to negotiating with your contractor for your lawn services so your spouse yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think the thing that separates really good negotiators from not so good negotiators is that you really have to have an understanding that there's two sides to every negotiation right so if you're coming into something and saying I'm gonna get a million dollars for this and that's it and you're not open to at least hearing the other side then it's never going to work out. But the way that I really approach things is almost with empathy, right? Sort of put yourself in the other person's shoes for a second. And I think that in turn gives you a leg up and a little bit of power and a little bit of more understanding. Okay, this person is coming from this place. This is what they want. I'm coming from this place. This is what I want. And how do we meet in the middle? And I see it far too often that, you know, sometimes it's to the misfortune of talent even where a rep of theirs is so stuck on the money that they're not seeing like what a really cool appearance this actually is for their talent or how this opportunity could open the door to many other opportunities that could in turn be very lucrative. So I think that's sort of my biggest insight and takeaway. And what I've really learned a lot is the more you can lean in and have that kind of empathy for the other side. Also, the quicker the negotiation goes, there's nothing that drives me more nuts when, you know, so like if we're talking about money, right? Someone has a hundred thousand dollars and they come to you and say, I've got 20 grand and then they move it up to 25 grand and then 30 grand. And then, you know, you're 
two weeks. And it's like, you know, oftentimes I just go to someone and say, listen, I've got a hundred grand. I know that your client probably deserves more, but here's the other things beyond a monetary transaction that make this a valuable thing for your client. And just sort of looking outside the box and looking at the full 360. And I think that's often times forgotten. The art of negotiation is about so much more than dollars. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people get stuck on the numbers, right? And it just becomes this power trip sometimes, depending on, you know, the two parties involved. Do you have any like crazy stories that you can share about negotiations that went bad? Or maybe, you know, conversely, there's some really good negotiations that were so well done. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of situations where there's just people that are really, really stuck on the money. And when the talent or whomever they're negotiating on their behalf catches wind of, what this person was doing on their behalf. It's really not ended well. I can't share specific things. (laughs) I know that's what you're looking for. I would be out of a job and out of a business if I was. But, you know, and at the same time, I think I'm really fortunate. And I will say that it's rare when I'm on the phone and dealing with someone who is just an asshole. You know, that's really what it comes down to. And and I always say that there's no time for assholes in the entertainment industry, but I think in business in general, right? There's yeah. no need to be a dick. No one has time for that. We're all humans. We're all here. We have a job. We have something that we're trying to accomplish. And so I think that's really when I've had a few of those situations where you just, you kind of want to throw your arms up because you know that there's no getting past, like this person is just... Yeah, they're just difficult, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you know, and I feel sorry for them sometimes, you know, I mean, it just seems like there's like that lack of human element. And it just goes to show you that no amount of money can make you a happy person. I mean, that kind of happiness right. comes from within, you got to do the work. It does 100%. Yeah. But as a negotiator, let's say I was going into negotiate, I don't know, some sort of deal. For example, I have a book that you know, I'm working on, and let's say it's been published. And I want to, I don't know, make some TV appearances or whatever. What kinds of tips would you leave somebody with that in terms of having a negotiation that's going to go well for both parties? What kind of tips do you put on the table? Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to so if you have, I mean, in using that specific scenario, so if you have a book, right, that's been published, and you want to get some appearances, I think the things that you want to put on the table is don't take a whole bowl of pasta and throw it up against the wall and see what sticks. I think be very, very intentional about the opportunities that you're seeking and know who you're seeking and what value you bring to them, right? So if you are a brand new author that no one's ever heard of, I mean, sure, you know, reach out to big shows like the Today Show and stuff, but like, What is the Today Show going to get from you other than their viewers, you know, seeing this amazing person? But start with some of those places that make a lot of sense, right? And that you have something to offer in return because it, it should be an exchange of value. And again, going back, not just monetary, there's so many other ways that you can exchange value. You as the author are getting promotion and press and visibility and them as the outlet is getting a really cool guest, an amazing story, and an opportunity to share a cool book with their viewers or listeners. So I think that's like the biggest mistake too sometimes that people make when it comes to negotiating is just being a little naive 
And I think you really have to be educated and know your value and know what it is you're pitching. Otherwise, you don't stand a chance. Yeah, it's so true. Like even when I'm getting pitches for Forbes, I get these pitches that are just very one one sided, you know, like this is the best and you know, this is the best story. And of course, you're going to love me and stuff. But it's like, what value are you bringing to the readers? And quite often people overlook that, that it's a two way street. It's like, okay, you want the publicity, that's fantastic. But you're going to have to give me a reason to give it to you. Yeah. And I'm often in your place too, right? So many shows and podcasts and, you know, events are are my clients and and I'm in a way that you are, I'm fielding these incoming calls and these incoming notes and, and that's exactly it. I'm always willing to give someone a chance that I've never heard of, but also don't give me like a blanket email that you copied and pasted (laughs) and like spelled my name wrong and have the wrong outlet listed. I think that's the thing too, is, is lazy pitching and lazy negotiating. There's a lot of that. And you can, you can see it from a mile away too, right? Yeah. And those people are doing what I said earlier. And I use this expression because my grandfather did, but you take the bowl of pasta and they're just seeing, okay, well, what sticks? Let's reach out to 100 people. And if we get two people to say yes, Rather than let's look at 10 people and be super intentional, write custom letters, appeal to their audience. Like that's what's going to get you the eyes of the booker. Would you agree with this statement, like building a relationship with somebody as well? Yes, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I will say that early in my career, I definitely faked it till I made it. It's impossible to create authentic relationships with people quickly, Right. Friendships and relationships take time and you can't expect to just reach out to someone and be instant friends. Sure, those things happen, but like it's time that builds trust and relationships. And that's, you know, another one of my biggest tips is if you have an interest in someone, you know, don't reach out immediately asking for something from them, offer something to them. Exactly. That is a very key trick that so few people are aware of because that just immediately, you know, because we're constantly being asked for something. Everybody wants something, everybody wants something. But somebody's actually saying, hey, you know, you might actually need something and I can help you with this. It's very likely to be reciprocated. And it's and it's rare too, right? You get a note from someone that says, hey, I just want to help you out or I just want to give you this or hey, here's some advice on this. I mean, it's it's a very small gesture and it's something that, you know, even as a business owner, you know, I'll still do. If there's someone that I am trying to prove myself to or a client that I want to work with now or down the road, what is a way that I can send them something or do something for them? Or it's not about you owe me one, but just make, you know, show your value, show what you're capable of and don't ask for anything or expect anything in return. Absolutely. So now I did read something just to switch the topic a little bit, because, you know, we got to talk about this. (laughs) I read that you were part of the The Emmys. Yeah. Okay. And it was the first virtual show, right? Can you tell us about this? I mean, this is like big time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we did the Emmys last September and it was the first virtual, we called it the Pandemies. Oh, that's cute. It was it was sort of half. We had some people in studio. You know, it was hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, and he was in studio. And we had a few of the celebrities. Jen Aniston came in studio. Tracy Ellis Ross. You know, a few people. Obviously, insane COVID precautions. 
But yeah, we were dealing with, I can't remember the exact number anymore, but it was over 150, close to 160 nominees in nine different countries around the world, all in different time zones, all with different technology. And, you know, so we had to work with all of them individually and understand their equipment or get them equipment, you know, test all all of their feeds, so much of that so that they could all be a part of the show. But it was a really incredible, incredible thing. And I have to say one of the things that I'm the most proud of because, you know, the world felt like it was crumbling. And here we were putting together a show that's celebrating a bunch of celebrities who are worthy of awards, but obviously there were bigger problems in the world. (laughs) What we really leaned into was everyone's always going to need entertainment, right? Especially in the hardest times, we need entertainment and we need laughter. And so we really leaned into the comedy. We, we leaned into, we had a lot of frontline workers participate. We got some frontline workers to be able to introduce categories that they loved or celebrities that they loved and just really tried to put this kind of human element on it. But it was the most insane thing I've ever done. <laughs> And I was ready for about a month long nap, not to mention I was also eight months pregnant waddling around the Staples Center. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was pretty amazing though. Yeah, well, I love hearing that you got the frontline workers involved because that is definitely something special. And there were frontline workers in the audience, if I remember correctly. Is that right? This past weekend, we were involved in a project called Vax Live, which was with Global Citizen. And they had over 20,000 frontline workers live in the audience. Oh, nice. Yeah, which was the first of its kind. There, there was no audience members at the Staples Center for the Emmys because it was in September. So things were still pretty locked down. But last month, this big event at the SoFi Stadium, it was a big concert event, and it was 25,000 vaccinated frontline workers in the audience. It felt like life was back. (laughs) Oh, that must be a nice feeling because you guys are slowly lifting your restrictions in California. Is that correct? Yeah. In in just a few weeks, I think we're going to be in like a different color, meaning if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask any longer unless you're in public spaces and and some things like that. But it doesn't, the streets are filled with people, you know, the restaurants are filled with people. It does. Oh, that must be so nice. Yeah, it feels like life is is coming back to some some kind of tangible normalcy. <laughs> okay, because here in, in Ottawa, well, the province I live in, which is equivalent to a state, we're still on lockdown. And we haven't even received our first dose of vaccinations yet. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's kind of like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? But at least the nicer weather is coming. So Canadians, like, love that. <laughs> Now, I understand that you had a part in launching a talk show during the pandemic. Is that correct? Yeah. So Drew Barrymore's show launched last September on CBS. And we had done the pilot the summer before and had been working on the show for about a year. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, we were still planning to launch the show. You know, I'm sure we all remember those first like three, four months. Nobody really knew what to think. Right. Like we would get a message from the president and all of a sudden the next day it was like, you're back to normal. But it was sort of this, what do we do? And for the first time, a daily talk show, which is, you know, a massive undertaking was produced completely remote. And we had this really cool high tech studio out of Los Angeles. Oprah actually featured it, but it looked like the person was sitting next to Drew. Like it was. Okay. Like a, she like, did that too. 
hologram kind of thing. Just a, crazy. Yeah, I think she did it when she spoke to President Obama. Yeah, I saw the Oprah one. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that was that was the technology with Drew. So that was really cool. So, you know, there were there was fun stuff like that that if there hadn't have been a pandemic, that would have never happened. But yeah, I think just everyone, I know every business owner, this remote working thing, while it has so many perks, right? It's wonderful to stay in your pajama bottoms all day. I'm a big fan. I'm actually in pajama. No, I'm kidding. But it's it's hard because things that you could just communicate around the office or, you know, with a simple, hey, can you take care of this now is an email or a text or a Zoom. And so it's just there's a lot more communication. It takes a lot more work to get stuff done. And so the intricacies of a show, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to, to so many things, but, you know, you have a crew that's there and in person. I mean, so much of it is so high speed and you're all in the moment. So doing that remotely was certainly a challenge. And I have an amazing team in New York that spearheaded it and lived, breathed, and ate all things launching that show. Now, okay, you have to tell me, is she as delightful as she appears to be? I have followed Drew Barrymore my whole life, and she's just... She is exactly what you would think. Just the kindest, sweetest, most talented, you know, so passionate. I think that's one of the things that, you know, we really learned is... She truly, truly cares. She is so invested in the people that she meets and in the projects. She's really a special person, you know? And I think for someone like her, who's been in this industry for so long, it's also so refreshing and wonderful to see someone who really is so genuine and so thoughtful and talented. I mean, she's, she's you know, obviously a movie star, now a, now a daytime talk show host. She launched a magazine. You know, she has a production company that she runs. She has like flower beauty, you know, she has like a beauty line. She has a home decor line. I'm like, when do you sleep? Talk about goals, you know? (laughs) Yeah, she definitely is quite the entrepreneur that you want to aspire to be like, for sure. And it's just so wonderful to hear that she's just as nice as she appears to be because, you know, it's always such a disappointment when you don't forget I'm in Canada, right? We don't see a whole lot of movie stars and stuff. It's not like, you know, living in LA where maybe you run into more frequently or whatever. But it's just so nice because I remember a couple of times meeting, you know, I'm air quoting famous people and it just wasn't what I had hoped for. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So it's nice to see genuine people. Yeah. I mean, look, I I will say it's very rare that you, there are a few of them, right? Those sort of bad apples, but, but I will say it's pretty rare. I think what happens sometimes is we know celebrities as the characters that they play and we expect them to be that character. So it's not necessarily that they're not a nice person. It's just that they're not the warm, fluffy, funny guy from the movie that you know him as, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's fun to get to, to meet all of those people all the time and to be in the mix of it. And, and it really is special when, when you work with somebody, someone like Drew. That's great. Now, you've had so many amazing opportunities throughout your career. Was it as easy as it sounds? Or did you ever encounter challenges or, you know, just difficulties that you had to overcome building yeah. your business? Does it sound like it was easy? Because that's good. But I'm putting- <laughs> <laughs> Sounds um, like these opportunities may have just happened. <laughs> I will say the short answer to that is I busted my ass, you know, and, and I think that I also I never wanted to be that person that's like, oh, I'm so tired and I'm so overworked. Like, I really do find joy in working. So yes, I've been a workaholic 
And, you know, admittedly, I put a lot of things on the back burner. I mean, I only in the last couple of years found a a partner and have started a family, you know, and I'm in my mid thirties. So, you know, all of my twenties and and early thirties was work, 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 work. And it still is, (laughs) you know, but I also realized, Oh, the clock is ticking and there are other parts of life that are important, but no, there were, there were a lot of struggles. There were super, super dark down days, you know, that I know that, that everybody has. And when you're a big dreamer, sometimes it's really hard to see how you're going to get to that end point. And I think that was a big struggle for me is seeing the end, but how the hell am I going to get there? You know, and looking back, and then one of the things that I tell myself every day now is trust the process, you can have an idea of how you're going to get somewhere or know the direction you want to lean towards. But you don't have to have every single thing mapped out because you're just going to drive yourself crazy because it never works out that way. You know, life is too unexpected. It's true. I love that. Trust the process. I just wrote that down. <laughs> a little reminder for myself every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get we get so caught up, right? And I also think that wherever you are in your career or whatever it is that you're trying to do, just lean in and sort of pay attention to what's happening. And I know that might sound a little woo-woo. I don't mean for it to sound that way, but I think oftentimes we overlook the opportunities that are right in front of us. You know, we're so caught up with what's next, what's after that, what's after that, that there's something really small and simple right in front of us that could open up a door or take us to that next chapter. And I've learned that very recently is to kind of just be in the present and really observe what's happening in that very moment. And how can I maximize on what's happening now to turn that into what's happening tomorrow? That's amazing. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. And I know that my entrepreneur friends that are listening are, you know, loving all the advice that you're giving and stuff. What would be the main message that you would want to leave listeners with? My main message is trust your gut. As an entrepreneur, no one, there's a zillion books and I've read them all and there's a zillion plans and I've made them all. But at the end of the day, it's never going to, as I said, it's never going to go as you planned. And I think if you trust your gut and trust what feels right and what makes sense logically with the tools that you have in front of you, then you got this. The world is your oyster. It's all going to unfold. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. So if listeners want to check out your business or maybe you have a podcast or something, where can they find you even on Instagram? Yeah. Our website is cultivatedent.com, short for entertainment. And our Instagram handle is at cultivatedentertainment. And then I do have a podcast. Admittedly, we, we took a bit of a hiatus the last year since the pandemic, but there's still some really great stuff. There are some conversations, actually mostly with entrepreneurs in the entertainment industry. And it's called Cultivated Conversations. You can find it on Apple Podcasts. And... Yeah, perfect. Because we are going to leave all the links in the show notes. So listeners have easy access as well. So I can't thank you enough for joining us today. It was great talking to you. Yeah, Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to the Business Society podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And never forget, nobody will ever care about your money as much as you do. So never give your financial power away. Mm